Tonight, from the front lines of war to Washington, the Ukrainian president's landmark mission to America. Volodymyr Zelensky's first foreign trip since the Russian invasion. Ukraine is alive and kicking. And a new deal for an amplified arsenal. The Patriot battery will be another critical asset for Ukraine. Travel plans up in the air in the countdown to Christmas. We may have another night here. The race to clear the backlogs with more bad weather just waiting in the wings. Plus a heartfelt holiday visit. We made the residents at the convalescent home happy. The inside story of a long-awaited get-together. CTV National News with Omar Sachedina. Reporting tonight, Morella Fernandez. Good evening. We begin tonight with a historic visit of a wartime president to Washington. Ukraine's Volodymyr Zelensky left the front lines to stand in front of American lawmakers. Before he could thank them for their support, they honored his resolve. A standing ovation at the U.S. Congress that followed a sit-down with Joe Biden, who pledged more aid worth $1.8 billion, which includes the powerful Patriot missile defense system. CTV's Kevin Gallagher on the significance and symbolism of a whirlwind visit. A defiant Ukrainian president presented House Speaker Nancy Pelosi with a battle flag from the front lines as Vladimir Zelensky thanked his most powerful ally. We Ukrainians will also go through our war of independence and freedom with dignity and success. Zelensky's address to Congress was punctuated by multiple standing ovations as he pushed for more U.S. military aid. They have much more missiles and planes than we ever had. And it's true, but our defense forces stand. Ukraine's president wants American lawmakers to approve a $45 billion aid package that's encountering some resistance, with top House Republican Kevin McCarthy raising spending concerns. Before the election, I explained to everybody, no more blank checks for Ukraine. This is Zelensky's first known trip outside Ukraine since Russia invaded 10 months ago. It required days of secret planning, with NATO fighter jets even escorting him at times. Just yesterday, Ukraine's president was near the front lines, awarding medals to troops. Cross for military marriage. Today, he brought one for U.S. President Joe Biden at the request of a Ukrainian soldier. He said, give it to a very brave president. Undeserved, but much appreciated. Thank you. Millions of Ukrainians are now without heat and power after weeks of Russian strikes. Russia is using winter as a weapon, freezing people, starving people. In a hope to thwart this onslaught, the Pentagon is sending its high-tech Patriot missiles to Ukraine. Russia's president calling this an escalation. Today, Vladimir Putin is promising to increase his military response, including new hypersonic missiles. It's not clear when those advanced air defense systems will be on the battlefield in Ukraine, as the U.S. military will have to train Ukrainian soldiers on how to use them, Morella, something that could take weeks.
All right, Kevin, incredible to see him out of Ukraine tonight. So that was a quick pre-Christmas visit, but Canadians trying to get away for the holidays are having a hard time because of that massive winter storm in Vancouver. The ripple effect putting plans in peril. Although international arrivals at Vancouver International Airport have been paused to ease congestion, some air traffic has resumed. But as CTV's Ben Milter reports, the terminal is packed full of long lineups and long faces. We haven't seen them for three years either. Karen and Howard Chambers have been hunkered down in the Vancouver airport since landing on a flight from Taiwan just as Monday's snowstorm was ramping up. But as soon as we landed the plane, they stopped the plane and we were stuck out there on the runway for about two hours. Trying to get to Moose Jaw to see family for the first time since before the pandemic, the couple has been unable to speak with anybody at WestJet, instead going in circles with an artificial intelligence chat bot. Most people are trying really hard to be positive, um, but you can see people cracking. Air Canada is trying to rebook customers in person, but only after they spend several hours in this line. Are you at all confident that when you get to the front, they'll have a solution for you? No, actually, absolutely not. But <laughs> I'm just optimistic because I want to see my family for Christmas. Air Canada has cancelled 12.5% of flights since Saturday due to winter storms. Since Sunday, WestJet has cancelled 576 flights across the country. Planes are on the move, but they are mostly full of passengers initially scheduled to fly today, not the backlog from cancelled flights. With another major snowstorm bearing down on the B.C. coast Thursday, YVR is warning of more possible cancellations. We are expecting another 25 centimetres across the region if the forecasts hold, and that means uh, that will be two years' worth of snow in, uh, in about uh, four days' period. In order to clear a backlog of planes on the airfield in the wake of Monday's storm, YVR has actually suspended international arrivals until Friday evening. That's going to impact about 30 flights from around the world, but does not include planes arriving from the United States. Morella? So exhausting for people. Ben Milger at Vancouver's airport. The effects of that storm and the extreme cold in Alberta are being felt in airports coast to coast. Well, this is my second day here. Bernie McDonald and his wife were looking forward to spending Christmas in Edmonton with their son before finding themselves stranded at the Halifax airport. We get here and they printed our tickets to Halifax and then said, no, we can't, we can't take you anywhere for four to five days. A similar story at Ottawa's International Airport, where these university students are trying to get to B.C., we're now flying out of Hamilton rather than Ottawa, so we're having to um, drive down to Hamilton. And we're going to have to fly to Calgary. That's as close as we can get and then drive a further eight hours to our home. In Toronto, frustrated and wary passengers are finding any place they can to get some much-needed sleep, while others try to rebook their flights. It was supposed to be a quick trip, but we're trying to get home for Christmas, and WestJet said we can't fly out till the 25th. The travel troubles could become even worse when a major winter storm moves into Ontario and Quebec ahead of the busy holiday weekend. Canadians are also clearly frustrated by the price of just about everything, but inflation is falling, just not very quickly. The inflation rate for November rang in at 6.8%, slightly down from October. Though food prices went up and are now 11.4% higher than last year. Here's CTV's Annie Berger-Oliver on the growing cost to Canadians already struggling to put food on the table. 
This community fridge at Ottawa's Parkdale Food Centre is filled multiple times a day. But demand is so high that every time it's restocked, it's empty again within 20 minutes. A lot of these people, especially who are using um, services like this, are going without, are actively skipping meals and are considered severely food insecure. For many, food prices are a problem and there's little relief in sight. November's inflation data shows the cost of cooking oil was up 26%, coffee and tea 16%, eggs 16%, cereals 15%, and food costs overall up 11.4%. For Canadians on fixed incomes, especially those relying on social assistance programs, the problem is especially pressing. It's not going away anytime soon. Um, you know, there's folks around the city that will be chasing meal programs or services like this one all day long, every day, 365, like not just around the holidays. The high cost of food is made worse by rising shelter costs. That's up 7.2%, with rent alone up 5.9%. A 500 square foot, one bedroom condo last year at this time would have gone for 1900 to 2100 that same unit right now would be 24 to 2600. But it's not all bad news. Gas and furniture costs have come down and inflation in general remains below July's peak. You still need to put food on your table. You, you still need to put gas in, in your car. So uh, it means you, you have much less and you have less wiggle room to play in your budget. And that wiggle room could be reduced even further if Canada enters a recession next year. It's going to take Today, the Bank of Canada issued this message of reassurance. We think inflation's peaked. We think it's starting to come down. Since the bank doesn't expect to reach its 2% inflation target until 2024, economists predict the financial pain morale will continue next year. Not easy to hear, Annie, but thank you. And we heard from the family of the 73-year-old gunman who carried out the mass shooting north of Toronto. His daughter say Francesca Villi had a Jekyll and Hyde personality. In a statement, they say he was a controlling and abusive husband and father, and that five years ago they had no choice but to cut ties with him for their own well-being. The five men and women he killed were remembered in a vigil tonight. Villi shot his neighbor Sunday night and was later shot dead by police. One person is also injured. A witness in another shocking killing is describing how horrifying it was to watch her friend get swarmed last weekend. He was stabbed during that attack and later died. Eight teenage girls have now been charged with second-degree murder. All are between 13 and 16 years old. CTV's Adrian Gobriel has the story and a warning. Some of the images are disturbing. Eight girls, bomb, 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 bomb. Erica Chin recounts the alleged violent attack on her now-deceased friend. Breathing, breathing, breathing. Chin claims that the teen tried to grab the bottle of alcohol she was drinking. That's when the male victim, known as Kenny, stepped in. My friend Kenny, he saw it. Stop them. Leave her alone, right? And then they off. Three 13-year-olds, three 14-year-olds, and two 16-year-olds all charged with second-degree murder. It's not something that typically you see a group of females come together um, or a group of girls come together and do something like that. Though high-profile incidents have taken place across Canada this year. A young woman was attacked by a group of teenage girls in Surrey, B.C. in May. You know, what they're seeing online. One child therapist believes the, quote, swarming videos appearing on social media are normalizing the violence. 
when I'm talking to, you know, our teens about this, some of them are like, we're doing it for entertainment. You know, we see other people post it. We thought it was funny. While brutal group attacks aren't new, someone dying allegedly at the hands of a group of young teenage girls is making headlines across the world. The alleged attackers reportedly met online. Investigators are trying to figure out what brought them together on Saturday night in Toronto's downtown core. We live in a digital era where relationships and interactions are happening uh, rapidly across time and space. You know, anytime you have people together in a group committing violence, the you know they can they can edge each other forward and amplify the intensity of that violence. Police have been struggling to locate and notify the victim's family. He recently moved into a downtown shelter this past fall. Morella. Adrian Gabriel in Toronto. Young women in Afghanistan were turned away at university campuses today by armed guards. They were denied entry after the Taliban outlawed post-secondary education for female students. CTV's Danielle Hamamjan on the anger and the sorrow. They should have been in class today taking a final exam in political studies. Instead, their rights under Taliban rule have just shrunk even further. My classmates informed me about us being banned from university. I cried a lot. I had all of my study materials but couldn't study, she said. When the sun rose, we thought that there is no life for women here. The decision to bar women from university was announced last night, effective immediately. By this morning, the Taliban were waiting at this Kabul university gate, telling female students to return home that girls no longer have a right to study. Some were weeping outside their schools. Others, along with men, protested. Do not make education political, they told the camera. We do not want to be eliminated, she said. It is shameful that the international community choose to remain silent. Foreign governments have said they can only consider formally recognizing the Taliban-run administration once women and girls are allowed back in school. Until then, Afghanistan remains under heavy sanctions. These policies are a systematic attempt to erase women and girls from all spheres of social, economic, political and public life. More than a year after the Taliban took over, girls have been forced out of secondary and now post-secondary education. The Taliban have said that foreigners should not interfere in domestic affairs. Meanwhile, international donors continue to feed more than half of the Afghan population. Marilla. Danielle, thanks for that. A young Ukrainian girl who died while walking to school was late to rest today in Montreal. The father of the seven-year-old flew in from Ukraine to say goodbye. Maria's father is a Ukrainian soldier. He left the battlefield to join his family for the funeral. Her mother and siblings came here only two months ago. Maria was hit by a car last week on that walk to school. Time for a short break, but when we come back. The extradition of a disgraced crypto boss. Plus, remembering the football legend behind the immaculate reception.
Sam Bankman-Fried will be back on American soil to face fraud charges in New York. In a Bahamas court, he waived his right to fight extradition. The 30-year-old is a man behind FTX, the cryptocurrency exchange that collapsed last month. Bankman-Fried is charged with stealing billions from his customers to support his lifestyle and cover debt from his other business. Donald Trump's tax returns are about to be made public, something the former president tried to block for years. Here's Los Angeles bureau chief Tom Walters. Six years' worth of Donald Trump's tax returns are on their way into the spotlight of public scrutiny. I have 24 yeas, 16 noes. After a three-year legal fight, the House Ways and Means Committee voted along party lines last night to release his returns. It's already been reported that there were a dozen years when Trump paid no federal tax at all, something he's even bragged about. I have legally used the tax laws to my benefit. I have brilliantly used those laws. But in 2020, at least, he paid no tax because he claimed huge losses. Republicans say releasing his returns sets a dangerous precedent. No Congress uh, has ever made public the full private tax returns of any American taxpayer. But there is another precedent, too. For more than half a century, every other president has voluntarily released his tax records. And Trump claimed he wanted to do that. I would love to give them, but I'm not going to do it while I'm under audit. It's very simple. But it was never true that an audit would have prevented him. And now it turns out the audit itself was a lie. I'm always under audit, it seems. He was not under audit. Not when he said he was, and not when he was supposed to be. The IRS is required by law to audit every president, to answer a basic question of integrity. Whether the president's personal financial interests impact his public decision-making. But it's now been revealed that for more than half of Trump's presidency, the IRS failed to audit him. So whether or not the drama over Trump's returns ends up embarrassing him as a taxpayer, it has already embarrassed the nation's tax collector. Tom Walters, CTV News, Los Angeles. Straight ahead, a Canadian star may be about to cash in. I need you to hold on. The millions Justin Bieber could make in a potential deal to sell his music rights. We have some dramatic video out of Tennessee tonight of a train derailment. What a mess, Priscilla. A Norfolk Southern train slammed into a truck carrying a 41-meter-long concrete beam. It had stopped for a red light and was on the tracks. Three locomotives and 10 cars derailed. Two railway workers were injured, but incredibly, no one died. One of the NFL's greatest running backs has passed away. Hall of Famer Franco Harris was 72. Is broken up by Tatum. Tipped off! Harris is best known for what's called the Immaculate Reception, taking a deflected pass for a last-second touchdown. It was the Pittsburgh Steelers' first-ever playoff win. Harris went on to win four Super Bowl rings. No cause was given for his death which comes only two days before the 50th anniversary of his iconic catch and three days 
before the team was to retire Harris's number 32 jersey. Canadian pop superstar Justin Bieber is about to hit a massive payday by selling his music rights. You know you can call me if you need someone. I need you to hold on. The Wall Street Journal says Bieber is closing in on a $200 million deal that would see the 28-year-old sell his interest in both his publishing and recorded music catalog. If it goes through, Bieber would follow in the footsteps of other artists like Bob Dylan and Justin Timberlake, who have signed mega deals. Last June, Bieber canceled his performances after revealing he had Ramsey Hunt syndrome, which paralyzed part of his face. After the break, the gift of spreading joy to care home residents. We leave you tonight with a reminder of how important human connection really is. During the pandemic, when many were isolated, a friendship spanning generations was formed outside the windows of a Winnipeg care home. Now a personal inside visit made that bond even stronger. Here's CTV's Manitoba Bureau Chief, Jill Makashan. For the past two years, the youngest students at Earl Grey School have made this Winnipeg care home their second home that this is the first time they've walked through the doors. Many of these children started school in the pandemic, knowing nothing but masking and physical distancing, but they learned there were others who had it much worse. People living in personal care homes who were unable to leave and unable to visit their loved ones. So the students started visiting them safely from outside. They've come here close to 100 times. We were in total lockdown, no visitors at all. And for our residents, when they'd be able to look out the windows and see the kids coming, it was just joy brought in then. We could watch them out the window and they'd be out there dancing and singing and no clowning around. This year, they could finally do it in person. These children who have been bringing so much joy brought presents, fundraising at school to give 100 boxes of chocolates to 100 residents. They didn't really say anything, but what we said is Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. There's a lot of love in the giving that they're doing. It's not just receiving at Christmas time. And for the residents who at one point couldn't even receive outside gifts, this holiday finally feels normal. Through the pandemic, it wasn't, it wasn't really like a Christmas at all, but now it is. Christmas once more seen through the eyes of children may be the best gift of all. Jill Mackishon, CTV News, Winnipeg. Great story. That's a wrap on the day. I'm Morella Fernandez. For Omar and all of us here at CTV National News, thanks for sharing your time. We'll see you again tomorrow.